Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for episode number 16, where we heard the second half of my interview with Jim Clementi. In this week's episode, we got to hear Jim's preliminary profile on the killer, and as all of you heard, the idea of Sandy being involved in this crime, from Jim's perspective as a profiler, just doesn't add up with anything that he's seeing. Everything from the behavior that he's seeing in the crime scene all the way from that to Sandy's physical disabilities and some of the contraindicators of her involvement that he talked about throughout the show. So this was, to me, was a very big episode, and I didn't tell Jim much of anything prior to him coming on. I sent him all the crime scene photos, the medical examiner's report, and a 13-page summary that included a lot more pictures, and most of that, a good solid six pages of that, was just on victimology. So, we heard Jim's take, and I know you guys have a lot of feedback on that. We do have Liz Rose, and she's on the phone with us today. We tried to do, like we did last week with the Zencaster, where she could be on a good microphone so you could hear a little clearer, but we had some technical difficulties this week, and it's just not working out for us. So, hopefully you'll be able to hear her well, and her phone doesn't cut in and out. And that being said, let's go ahead and get started, Mike. All right, let's get to some questions. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro, driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost. All right, our first question comes from Kathy. Was there actually any blood on the Costco shirt? It's my understanding that they didn't test it further when the serology report tested negative for blood. That's my understanding too, but there was there's also some information in some of the DNA testing that said that there was 
unidentified DNA or partial DNA profiles on the shirt. So it was, this is kind of the process. It was sprayed with a reactant agent uh, to see if there was any blood on the shirt. It did react in several places. That's where Maurice Carpenter circled with the wonderful choice of the orange highlighter where we're trying to identify blood on the shirt. But then the serology, I, I believe the confirmatory test came back that there wasn't blood on the shirt. Uh, that was a little questionable within the trial testimony because I think Carpenter said that, no, there was no, nothing said there was blood on the shirt. Or that might have been Quartaro's testimony. But no, Liz, do you know any more on that? I know you've been through a lot of these documents too, but I, the, the shirt's confusing for me because in one place it looks like there is blood and then another place it looks like there isn't. There's obviously staining on the shirt. So I've seen the uh, the video of them applying the fluorescent or what is it called? Whatever they use to test for blood. And uh, it seems like they're spotting on the front and the back, but I mean, they didn't do any secondary tests. And so it's really, all I really know is the areas that lit up. So that was part of the, and for for you guys, listeners to understand, uh, we just early last week or late last week got a, a kind of a, a data dump, so to speak, from the DA's office with a whole bunch more files and some video files and all of that. But we have been here, just been working from dusk till dawn trying to get ourselves ready because I'm leaving for the UK Friday. Um, so I haven't been through a lot of that. I've been, I've been through some of it, but not all of it. So uh, that video that Liz is referring to was part of that data dump. And so she's seen it yet. I haven't even seen that video yet. Yeah. I mean, there's just splatter on the front and the back that fluoresced. So I don't really know how that fits in, you know, with everything that happened that night. Right. And while we're on the topic, Liz, were you able to get one of the folders that was in that production from the DA's office was a folder that said it had surveillance videos in it from across the street in Los Cucos. I wasn't able to get those to open on my computer. It was a it was a strange file. It was like an executable file extension on the end, which isn't a video file. Did, did were you able to do anything with that yet? No, I haven't. I'm going to ask my husband to have a look at it when he gets home later. Okay, so uh, so if anybody has that question about, we, a lot of people have been asking about that surveillance video. We have a file now that says it's the surveillance video, but it d- doesn't look like a video so far. But we'll we'll circle back to that later. Raven says, "Could the shirt in the bathtub have been used as a rag to wipe up blood by the killer? Would that make for oddly shaped stains?" It, it definitely could have been used just to clean up. It's it's hard to tell because. Remember that that what we thought might have been oddly shaped stains turned out, I I said this in last week's follow-up, because I recorded with Jim the day I got those photos, Uh, so I hadn't had much of a chance to look at them. They're not oddly shaped stains. Those were, in fact, the the marks that Carpenter put on them with the the highlighter. But yeah, I I think it's definitely a possibility that the shirt was used to wipe it off, because very shortly after the shirt got blood on it, if it had blood on it, I assume it had blood on it, uh, everything seems to indicate that it was thrown into the water and it soaked there for 15 hours. So, you know, th- there aren't stains there. The fact that we don't have clear staining on it, to me, seems like that the blood hadn't dried on the shirt yet when it was thrown into the water. And so there's really no way, like Liz said on the in the video, I'd read about it, but I haven't seen the video yet, that the reactant that was put on it lit up kind of in the front and the back. The fact that there's some on the back could be an indicator that it was used to clean stuff up. But also, as we said before, this was a dynamic crime scene. There was a lot of moving and jostling around. There's blood spatter going everywhere. So, you know, it, it's it's still possible. So remember, Jim has this big cut on his right hand with an arterial bleed on it. And his killer is facing him on top of him. 
they're front to front, the the killer's on top of him. So if at any point he reaches around trying to get them off or tries to wrestle them off and reaches around with his arm and puts his hand on the, the person's back, then that's going to leave blood on their back as well, even though they were face to face. Well, I was kind of thinking that um, whoever was, if the person was wearing the shirt, might have been standing next to my dad and they were facing forward and then they turned to the side kind of like to turn away from what was going on and the splatter ended up on the front and the back of the shirt. Yeah, that's possible too. So you meaning like there were two people there, one's attacking them and the second one, the one in the shirt was just was just right there next to that person? Is that what you mean? Right. I mean, just because of the areas that lit up, that's kind of what it looked like to me. Okay, that makes sense. Gillian says, do we have a previous or recent example of Sandy having seizures due to stress or a stressful incident? Does she or her family remember other times when she suffered memory loss as a result? That would be a question for you, Liz. When she had a seizure, sometimes she wouldn't even remember the events leading up to the seizure. She might not remember things that happened after the seizure. It just really depended on the situation. Each time was was different. But so it, it was not uncommon when she had a seizure that she would have memory issues in general? Right not remember where she was or uh, what she was doing or who she was with or her name. Okay. And then were there times when a seizure was brought on because of some kind of stress? Um, so for her, her triggers were usually, yeah, they could have been stress. They could have been lack of sleep. You know, there, there were a lot of different factors, but yeah, stress definitely could have been one of them. Okay. Kimberly says, did you and Jim discuss the autopsy, and if so, what were his thoughts on more than one knife being used? We did discuss the autopsy. We didn't get that deeply into that part of it. I mean, I mean he's aware of it. We talked about it. He saw, he saw some of the photos. But for what he was doing, Jim Jim is very much a person who is only going to work in fact and what he can prove. So the speculation about there being one or two knives, I didn't really want to get too deeply into that with him because. You know, that may lead him down a path that we can't prove. You know, if he makes his assumption based on the fact that there was more than one knife and then it turns out there wasn't one, more than one knife, then we don't have accurate information. So we didn't we didn't really get too much into that. Really, I kind of wanted to see if he came to a conclusion based on the elements of the crime scene that there was more than one person involved and then compare that back to the idea that maybe there was two knives used on Jim. So and as you heard. That was the conclusion he came to. He, I think that there was most likely more than one person involved, and that was not because of the two different patterns of the knives on Jim's body. Kelly says, were you able to follow up with Jim after it was determined that the circles on the shirt were the highlighter? If so, what was his analysis of the pattern after that clarification? No, we haven't, we haven't circled back to that since then. You know, I've just been working on other stuff, and so is Jim. And uh, it really, that didn't end up really playing a factor into his profile anyway. But, uh, you know, we're, I'm hoping at some point Jim will come back on with more information. You know, the, the interview is a little shorter than, than I think all of us would have liked for it to have been. And part of that is Jim and I have both had insanely crazy schedules for the last month. We were actually recording that interview at midnight. And it, was, it seemed kind of abrupt where we're having a discussion and then it's like, okay, let's do the profile. And that was literally because, you know, there's a three-hour time difference here, too. So we're talking 1 in the morning, to one thirty in the morning for me, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night for Jim. And finally, he was just like, I'm exhausted. I got I to gotta, I gotta call it a night. I got to go to work in the morning. And I was the same way. So that's why we kind of, we just, we, we sped things along and got right into the profile. Lauren says, does Jim have any suggestions for where we go from here with the investigation? 
yeah, from here, keep in mind that a profile is not, you know, that, that's not evidence that you're going to use to, you know, convict somebody that, you know, a profile points towards you. So you're, you're it. It's a starting point. It gives us a, a suspect pool. And this was a preliminary profile. And so, you know, where we go from here is to continue to dig into the evidence. There's other evidence that we have not gotten to yet. Part of that is the blood evidence, which is going to be this Sunday's episode, which I promise you, you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be a really good episode. Uh, we really dig into what the blood spatter analyst had to say in this case. But to continue to look into the rest of the evidence and then to really look into the investigation after that. So we can see if there's anything that the investigators might have came across and missed it or ignored it to see if there's any other leads there. From there, once we exhaust all that, then we begin our new investigation and we start looking for leads on new suspects. And as you guys know, that's kind of our process at Truth and Justice here is at some point, uh, once we finish investigating the conviction, the evidence, and the investigation, then we move on to a new investigation to see if we can determine who might have actually done this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Maria says, could it be brought up to the courts or judge that the jurors didn't follow the instructions given, therefore proving Sandy didn't receive a fair trial? The jury foreman in a recent interview said the fact that Sandy chose not to take the stand made her seem guilty. He also said a lot of things that didn't make sense, and therefore it seemed like Sandy was guilty. That's not being convinced that someone is guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah, I I mean, Sandy's attorneys are addressing that. They actually already filed right after the trial a motion for new trial based on a lot of things that, that happened at the trial, even the fact that the jury conducted an experiment outside of the evidence in the in the jury room. That was denied, but that's, you know, they, they typically are. And so now a lot of those things will be addressed in the direct appeals phase. And probably the best thing for Sandy is for the jury foreman to keep talking. He's going to be on the 2020 episode that, by the way, is airing tonight. He uh, interviewed with KHOU. He was on Dateline. Um, and he's, he's kind of leaking out some information about what went on in the jury room. And I think most people, when they heard his most recent interview, were, were pretty frustrated when you it is the same as when we had Barnett on the show here. You know, we bring the prosecutor on and say, here, here's an open forum, unchallenged for you to explain to us. Because you know, the reason we did that is because that doesn't happen a lot. You know, if you look at, you know, things, shows like Making a Murderer and things like they only give you one perspective. And you always think there's got to be more to this. And that's why we brought Colleen on. So she had the opportunity to say, no, this is what really happened. And I think a lot of our listeners here, when they heard her interview, were like, that's it. You know, that, that that's the the ace in the hole that we haven't heard of yet. There was there was nothing there. The entire argument is 
it didn't make sense. And then we hear the jury foreman who actually was part of, you know, the 12 that convicted Sandy and listen to him. And it's like, where is it? When are you going to say the thing that is actual evidence that Sandy did this? My, I just haven't heard it. I haven't heard anything like that yet. I can sum up my perspective on the prosecution's case very simply. Colleen Barnett convinced the jury of speculation as to how Sandy could have committed this crime with zero evidence that she actually did any of those things. And it's just, it's appalling to me that, that she was convicted based on that. That's not justice. That's not what our criminal justice system was designed to do. Nancy says, did Sandy miss any doses of her anti-seizure medication while she was in the closet? She normally took her pills in the morning and then in the evening. I'm not sure if there was an afternoon dose. But yeah, more than likely she she missed that dose. Well, she would have missed the morning dose at least, right? And that one, yeah. Chris says, it doesn't sound like it, but was Sandy taking prednisone? It's prescribed to help with joint pain, but can have devastating side effects with bone degeneration. No, she wasn't taking prednisone because she had taken it in the past in high doses, and it caused a vascular necrosis in her hips, which is just, um, it killed the bone in her hips, and she had to have several surgeries to try and fix that. And when it they couldn't repair it, then eventually they just, they just gave her the bilateral hip replacements. Wow. So the hip replacements were actually caused because of the prednisone, sounds like. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I guess uh, who, was the, who asked that question? That was Chris. Yeah, good question, because that's exactly sounds like what happened to Sandy is the bone degeneration. Joanna says, do you think the discolored water indicates two towels and a shirt soaking wet in blood to the point of dripping, being thrown in the tub? Why isn't the water reddish, not even in the bottom of the tub? Do you think perps emptied and refilled the tub? I don't think anybody emptied and refilled the tub. And there's a few things about the water, because that was one of the things that the jury foreman said. You know, I looked at that water and I know what water looks like when you soak for two hours. And that's not what the water looks like. All cameras and camera lenses, and, and depending on lighting, change the color of the thing they're taking a photo of. And that's, and that's abundantly evident. If you actually go through on our website and look through the crime scene photos, look at the ones of the closet. There are pictures taken of the closet from, you know, at two different times. And they may have been, I think it was the same camera, but just the, the different angles. Maybe the lighting was a little different. Where the coloring looks, in, in one photo, Jim's skin looks gray. and the next one, it looks bright orange. Uh, so that's something you have to understand is, is the hue and saturation that goes through into those photos. So because you, you can obviously see that it, it's, it's stained to an extent, you know, it, it doesn't look clear. Uh, but because it doesn't look red to our eyes looking at that photo, doesn't mean that it didn't have a red tint to it. It just depends on the all you know how the, how that photo filtered through the lens, and and I say that because we know there was blood in the water. There was a bloody knife in the water. You know we can't necessarily say for sure with the towels. We know the shirt reacted to blood. I think that you know I think we're underestimating how much the water, how much water is in that tub, and how much that blood would be diluted from being in there. So you know the the, the shirt with blood on it, the towels with blood on them. And I think we're maybe overestimating how much blood we're talking about. You know, so you're 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 not talking about sopping up a gallon of blood off of the floor. You're talking about someone, in my opinion, what likely happened is the killer had blood on their person from the attack and took a towel and wiped their face, chest, arms, hands off to wipe it off. I mean, so if, if you take all that blood 
that they wiped off off of you think about that much blood on your skin you could probably fill a shot glass with the actual volume of how much blood that is it's not as much as you think but no i don't think that it was drained and refilled i think it was just thrown in there uh, we don't really know what the coloration of the water is because of how cameras filter colors like that but no i mean think again go back to think about the amount of blood that would be on your skin say your entire arms and face were covered in blood not massive we know they weren't dripping with blood because there's no drip marks on the carpet outside the closet you know what the, the, they weren't so heavily caked with blood it was dripping off the off of them on the floor they just had blood on them and they wipe it off so maybe, and, and i think a shot glass is overshooting it too but even think about if you take a shot glass an ounce of blood and pour it into a full two-person jacuzzi tub like that and see how much it discolors the water. It's not much. I think you're also forgetting like the settings of the camera, and that's why the colors are different, because of the just the aperture and its shutter speed. Right, yeah, and that's, yeah, I wasn't using the right terminology there by saying filters, but yeah, yeah, you can change your ISO, your, your aperture, your speed, all that is going to change the way the colors look. Well, you can see the difference in, in camera settings between when you look at the safe handle, you see the picture that Maurice took, and then you see the pictures that I took, and like the blood is a lot more clear in my pictures. Right. All has to do with the settings. Right. These questions are from Wendell. Could we get some general info on the tenants who were being evicted? For example, was it a family? How many people lived there? What age range were they? I don't know anything about them. Liz, can you, can you answer that as far as the family that was being evicted? I think they were common law married and they had kind of like merged their families together. And so there was maybe four or five kids living there and maybe one of their relatives. Okay. So it was at least two grown adults and like maybe five kids. Yeah, like four or five kids. And I guess as far as not to put word in Jim's mouth, I'll give you my opinion on the profile and how that lines up. I don't think so. It doesn't, for starters, it doesn't sound like based on our conversation last week that. Jim had been pushing these people, you know, he hadn't fi- he may have been considering it, but he hadn't even filed eviction papers on them. And for someone that hasn't paid rent, what'd you say, how many months had they not paid rent for, Liz? It was about three months. Yeah. So if someone hasn't paid rent for three months and they know they're eventually going to be kicked out of their house, anybody that that is in that situation. And it may make them mad that that's happening, but for to have that be a motivation to, I'm going to go kill someone. I mean, what are they getting out of that? revenge you know it's it's not like by doing this they get to live in a house for free they're not getting anything from this there's no motive for that unless they're just furious and angry and jim hadn't even filed the papers yet and and i think that from some some subsequent conversations i've had with jim uh, i think he and i both agree these are likely probably younger people and probably addicts this looks like a crime from what jim said you know they're they're looking to just get enough stuff or enough money to get enough drugs to get them by for a little while. You know, that's why they're not looking for these huge big ticket items uh, that are more risky. They're just looking for things that they can quickly turn into quick cash. So no, it doesn't, I wouldn't think a, a family like that would, you know, or anybody from whether it's the husband or the wife or whatever they are, that just doesn't, it doesn't fit the profile as far as I'm concerned. All right. Brenda has a few questions. Did the housekeeper who was a no show the day before the murder have a key to the house? If she did, did she turn it in after Jim's murder? Also, did anyone else outside the family have a key? So there's a possibility that my ex-husband still had a key, but I'm not sure if my dad uh, re-keyed all the locks. 
but that would be the only one that I can think of because we we never gave a cleaning lady a key. Okay, so she did not have a key. No. Okay. My mom was always home when she came to clean. Did you guys ever reach? Did anybody reach back out to her? Where were you at? Why didn't you show up? Anything like that? No, not that I know of. I think that there was just so much chaos at the time that nobody really thought about it. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. And your mom didn't really stay back in the house after that either, right? No, we never went back. Not to stay, just to, you know, gather a few belongings. Karen says, I was wondering the same thing about the key to the house. Did they ever have a hidden key? If they did have a hidden key, was it still in its hiding place? Liz? No, we never had a hidden key. Okay. My dad said it was too risky to leave a key outside. Okay, that makes sense. Pamela says, if the housekeeper was a regular visitor to the house, shouldn't the police have obtained her DNA for exclusionary purposes? Yeah, they. in my opinion, they should have. But I mean, that you can add that right to the list of everything else the police should have done. But And, and again, I think that points right back to what I've said over and over and over again, which is it is very obvious when you look at this investigation. When we're looking at this case to see, could this be a wrongful conviction? If so, you should be able to determine pretty quickly how that happened. Where were the mistakes made? And you can see in this case exactly where they were made. The investigators on that crime scene within probably minutes of being there decided the second Sandy said, I don't remember what happened, they decided she was their killer and they never looked anywhere else. That's why we have all these massive gaps in the investigation is because they only ever looked to Sandy. And so they they, they weren't, I wouldn't even say they were ignoring other leads. They just, they were those in their mind were irrelevant because the killer was right here. And so they were only looking for leads that pointed to Sandy Melgar. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. David said, how old was the housekeeper's daughter? Oh, wow. I don't know. I think she was probably late teens. I would guess like 17, 18. Still like a high school student? Yeah. Okay. Audrey Rose says, did Sandy use her cane when out to dinner earlier in the evening? I can't remember if this was the case or not, but it could attract the attention of somebody looking for a, quote, easy target. Hmm. Uh, do you know the answer to that, Liz? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I tend to think not because she said she was having a good day. That was why they decided to go out, right? Because she was having a good day. Yeah, so I don't know. It's hard to say even if she's having a good day because the cold usually causes her a lot of pain. Right. And it, and it was, I mean, it was chilly. It wasn't super cold. I, yeah, I guess it's, I'm hopefully supposed to talk to your mom tomorrow. She's supposed to be calling me. Well, well I should say I wrote her a letter and asked her to call me tomorrow. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I'll be hearing from her tomorrow and I can ask her some of those questions. But, you know, from what I've seen from a lot of interviews from people, 
and statements that I've read on the case regarding your mom, it seemed like it was hit or miss. Or there were some people that said they've never even seen her with the cane. Other people that said she often had the cane. So probably hard to say. Yeah, and I also just want to say when I say it's cold, I'm talking about Texas cold, not Michigan cold. Right, because it's 22 degrees here right now, and everything's covered in snow. <laughs> and this is just bordering on cold for us. I'm wearing gym shorts right now, actually. You're insane. Patty has a theory. Regarding Sandy being left alive, do you think the perpetrator could have snuck up on her from behind while she was putting on lotion, knocked her out, tied her up, and locked her in the closet, knowing she didn't see them? Yeah, that's a distinct possibility. Although, Liz, wasn't the chair, didn't the chair actually face out towards the door when the, when the, when the chair was actually in the closet? Yeah, but the last thing she remembers was putting lotion on her legs. So I think she was like bending down. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, so they bending could, over. Yeah. So they could have hit her on the back of the head, but from above. Right. So she's bent over. So, yeah, that's a possibility. You know, if they came in and they hit her, she never looked up and she was unconscious, then they, you know, they really wouldn't have to worry about if she saw them, but they knew that she didn't actually see them. Right. And, you know, I know I've heard other people say, well, like, didn't she hear them coming? But, um, she she was hard of hearing in one ear from like uh, a surgery that she had. So I just think, you know, she didn't hear these people sneaking up on her and she's bent over putting lotion on her legs and they hit her over the head and knock her out. Donna says, I just heard that Sandy converted to Jehovah's Witness to be with Jim. Didn't they join together as a couple? Of course, this is on Deadly Women, so I'm not believing half of what they're saying that seems to butt up against what Bob has uncovered. Yeah, that. I've heard that they just reran the Deadly Women episode on Sandy, and it was that's a perfect example of the pile of shit that that show was. I mean, that was because yeah, I mean, Liz, that's right, right? That they joined they joined the church together. She didn't convert to your dad's religion, right? Nobody converted to anybody's religion to be with anyone. It, they did it at the same time. Also, did you guys have a one story or a two story house? <laughs> <laughs> It depends who you ask. <laughs> I can do this all day. Basically, that episode is just, it's, it's a, it's a made-up story contributed to by our friend Colleen Barnett. It's a very interesting work of fiction. All right, and our last question is from Christy. Can we get a quick update on Adnan Sayed? Yeah, geez, I wish this was a day later. You guys are hearing this a day later. We're recording this on Wednesday, Thursday, which is now yesterday, or the oral arguments for Anand's appeal, uh, and they were actually live-streamed, uh, which for us is going to be, they're going to be live-streamed tomorrow. I'm, we're too busy. I don't think I'm going to get a chance to actually watch it, so uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with Colin Miller and Robbie and Susan them you know, on, their, on their social media to see how that goes. For updates on that today, if you want to know what happened tomorrow, probably the most, the, the best source to go to, I would say, is Colin Miller. Uh, on Twitter, he's at EvidenceProf. He's got the Evidence Prop blog, which is where he writes, and he does a really, really, really thorough, good job of writing about all this stuff. So if you want to know what's going on with Adnan's case after yesterday's hearing, go to Colin Miller's blog, uh, the Evidence Prop blog, or any of his social media accounts, and that would be, that'll get you started. Um, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing today uh, on my way to the airport, which, speaking of which, today, you say we're done, right, Mike? Yeah, we're done. Okay. Today is the day, Friday, that I'm leaving for the UK, so all of you people in Newcastle and Edinburgh, Scotland, and Manchester, and London, Becky and I are on our way, and our first stop is going to be Newcastle this Sunday, December 2nd. 
And also along those lines, wanted to let you guys know. So I'm I'm gone out of the country for the next seven days. So uh, we have pre-recorded next week's episode, and we also had to pre-record next week's follow-up. And so this week's follow-up, the one that's going to follow this Sunday's episode, so it'll be follow-up 17. That is pre-recorded. It's not going to really have anything to do with Sunday's episode. We'll get to that the following week. As part of the data dump that we got from the DA's office in this last week, uh, there are a lot of, of short recorded interviews, statements given on the night of the murder, the night Jim's body was found. So we have statements from Marissa Melgar, Monica Melgar, Gerson, and even the woman across the street that called 911. So to make sure you guys still have something, and this is information I wanted to get out to you guys, but it's just hard to weave it into another episode. We were putting all four of those interviews together as one episode, so you all can listen to those Friday, next Friday, for your Friday follow-up. And last but not least, tonight's the night, my fingers are crossed, <laughs> the uh, the 2020 episode on Sandy's case airs tonight. It's on at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Uh, Liz, what time is it on in California? 10 p.m. So it's on at 10 p.m. Pacific time also. So that's tonight. I am not going to be able to watch it because I'm going to be in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when the, the episode airs tonight. I'll DVR it for you. Nice. Well, I have a DVR, so I'm going to get to see it because people have offered to record it for me. But um, So I'm not going to be able to see it until I get back. Um, so I'm looking forward to do that, I hope. I'm, I'm, I'm really confident that it's going to be an actual fair and balanced reporting of the case just based on my interactions with the producers. I know they've got people from all sides of the case. You know, I, I was interviewed. Colleen Barnett for the prosecution, Celestina Rossi for the prosecution, the jury foreman who convicted. They've interviewed Liz. I think they even interviewed the Seacrest. So I think it's going to be a good balanced approach. I know from my conversations that the people at 2020 have done a pretty thorough job of really seeking out the truth in this case, which which I've been pretty impressed with. So hopefully we'll see how all that gets edited together tonight. But enjoy that. That'll be tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central. 10 Pacific, and for you people on Mountain Time, I don't know what time anything's on for you because you're kind of right between all of them, but you'll figure it out. 2020 tonight, and I will be back in the studio in one week after I get back from the UK, but we do have episodes for you next week while I'm gone. So you guys take care. Have a great day. Thanks, Liz, for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you, everybody. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Mike Bussing is our executive producer, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Thank you to Amanda Meyer with Willow Photo and Design for designing and creating our Friday follow-up logo. Our banner images and type font across all of our logos was created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Britta Bliss, Sarah Colby, Rachel Timberman, and Liz Rose. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to Patreon.com slash TruthAndJustice. 
on the Patreon page. You can pledge as little as $1 per month. And we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. But the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. And for all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show's handle is at truthjusticepod, and my personal Twitter handle is at bobruftruth. And for more personal interactions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at truthjusticepod. And don't forget, we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on the case. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. Let's roll. What? Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Kind of sounds like your phone's going to cut in and out, too, a little bit. Can you give me a five count, Liz? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Do you have a bad cell signal, Liz? Because now your phone's cutting in and out. <laughs> what? No, I do not have a bad cell phone signal. Okay, you sound good now. Now count to five. Oh, hey, video people. This is take three, 35 minutes into our process of trying to record this follow-up episode. A lot of technical difficulties, as we always have when we record with Liz, which... These were not my fault. <laughs> she says these are not her fault. Um, uh, but we are we are way jammed up behind the deadline, so we need to get going here. So let's go ahead and let's get her started, guys. Ready? <laughs> ready, Mike? Yeah. Liz, you ready? Yep. All right, game face. Sorry, I just got a weird text from the 2020 person. While uh, <laughs> mm. so I ask you this right on the air, Mike. They, she said, "Is it possible for Mike to come over tonight so that we can record him asking you some listener questions? <laughs> I can ask him myself if you pass along his number." Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I gotta think about it. I guess you gotta think about it. He's I gotta think a, about it. I would need a haircut and a change of clothes. Yeah. No, well, you got ten. He loves being on TV, right? No, he loves no, being no. videoed. Like it's always random. That's Which, the worst part. Is like I come in here, like just it's just another day. I didn't expect to be on TV in front of twenty million people. Right. Anyway, um, but anyway, what was the question again? Oh God, um, <laughs> uh, you <laughs> broke him for you video yeah, I'm, video people. I'm, I'm just, this is this is how this entire <laughs> week has been going. Uh, okay. Right. Can we take a break for a second and just let me tell you what a solid piece of analysis that was right there? Did you hear that, Liz? Solid piece of business. Yeah, she brought you right back into reality. Oh, I, I was joking. You know what that's from? From what we talked about before we recorded, Liz, where you sit there silent and make me think you got disconnected. Like you're doing right now. God, I hate you so much. Ten specific. You people in mountain time. No one knows what goes on with you. Ten specific. You just said ten specific. You guys both. Okay. <laughs>